continuing our resurrection story series this Good Friday morning. And this week we're looking at the character of Thomas. And we can read about him in John chapter 20. And we'll start at verse 24. Just read that through with you. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And we're continuing our series uh, looking at these characters uh, that John writes about for us, these resurrection stories, uh, sort of looking at them and seeing the way that they are changed, moved by, interrupted by uh, the resurrection, and then stopping to dwell on what that might mean for for us and we're going to keep in mind uh, as we keep looking at these stories the proposition that Paul makes and we read it a couple of weeks ago in 1 Corinthians 15:14 he talks about the resurrection almost like it's a bit of a knife edge uh, moment he says if it's not true i don't know if you can remember these verses or uh, check them up later we've not got them on the text 1 Corinthians 15:14 says if it's if it's not true it makes uh, preachers like this and faith like ours, uh, useless. He even uses the word pitiable. He sort of says, if it's not true, you may as well do anything else um, but this. But if it is true, if the resurrection is true and it did happen, it means every word has life. Every word sheds light. Every word becomes essential. It's kind of like a knife edge, which really, I think, disrupts... Um, it, disru it disrupts a common Christian pastime that, that we have sometimes that we develop in that we it tips us one way or the other so often or it's easy isn't it for Christianity to become something that we kind of hold at arm's length or we kind of have us back up or we save it for a rainy day we kind of don't want to dismiss it altogether we're like kind of like no it's it's got good morals or it's a nice community or you know we like the songs or you know whatever or it's nice just to know that it's there so we don't we don't want to drop it altogether but neither do we want to go all in because sometimes we look at these people and we think man they're a bit full on or we think I don't really know if if I do go all in I don't know where it's going to end up or I think this is the other thing we don't want to we don't want to over investigate it you know we don't want to dig around at it too much because we, we're scared a little bit maybe that we'll find out that we've, we might come across we might think that it's not true we might we might dig around so much we think I just don't know if I believe this so we just kind of hold it in the middle ground I think one of the things that these resurrection stories do I hope that they do is that it's 
as we look at these characters, I think they say to us, we can't go too far. It does go somewhere good and it won't unravel after closer inspection. I think that's what we see in Thomas. So there's just three things I want us to have a look at this morning um, from the from this little story about Thomas. I think the first one is um, the prospect of doubt, the prospect of doubt in life. So I'm going to look at that, just the general prospect that as human beings, doubts will come. Number two, how we see how God responds to doubters. We see how Jesus um, deals with a doubter, which I think is really important to see that. And how the resurrection speaks into doubt. That's the, those are the three things. So just the prospect of doubt how God responds to people who doubt or how Jesus specifically responds to people who doubt and what the resurrection achieves for those people, you know, in this experience of doubt. I think when you look at this character of Thomas, it's, I can't help but reflect that it's part of me really feels for him. He's become this character who is eternally associated with doubt. And I think it's, it is really interesting how one moment because this happens, you know, right throughout history, it's happened over and over again, how one moment in time becomes um, representative of everything that a person can be. Do you know what I mean? Just just one one life moment, one certain thing. Um, and as I was as I was thinking about this, um, chatting over the tea table with the fam, and uh, the American Office came up. I don't know if you watched the American Office, but there's a character in there called Jim Halpert who was called Big Tuna, just based on the fact that the the first day at work he came with a tuna sandwich, and for the whole rest of the time he was known as, at least by one of his colleagues, as Big Tuna. I had a mate growing up whose nickname, I get this for a nickname, whose nickname was Yogurt. That was his nickname. And he was a really cool dude, and I didn't have the gumption to sort of say where did that name come from so I grew up with this guy as yogurt to the extent that I would you know if I went around to knock on his door I'd ask for yogurt for the certainly for the first couple of months not even knowing his 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 real name and I didn't dare sort of ask him how he came by this nickname as yogurt because he was just kind of this cool dude and it was just the fact that he spilt yogurt that was how he got his name yogurt and everybody knew him as yogurt and that nickname stuck Thomas was synonymous and is synonymous with doubt. Yeah, have a look with me. Just have a look with me at this passage in John at 11, 16. Um, so this is just, uh, John eleven sixteen. this is just one week prior. This is one week um, before where we're at now, before before the cross and the crucifixion, just, just one week before. And the scenario is that they've heard about Lazarus's um, passing and, you know, they've called for Jesus. But the disciples have said, look, if you go back to Jerusalem, you remember last time they were going to stone you. If you go back there, it could mean death. Oh, it's going to mean death. It's going to mean death for you. It's probably going to mean death for us. And Thomas says, you see it there, Thomas says, let's go back. Let's go book, get back so that we can die with him. Now, I think... However you want to read that, there's not much doubt there. There's, there's, there's some certainty there. We, we easily, maybe even lazily, and often look at this passage 
and are kind of happy to take the meaning as it kind of damns Thomas or anyone that comes across doubt. Imagine doubting, given all that you'd seen. You know, shame on Thomas. Just avoid doubt. You know, look how embarrassing it is for him now. Look at the look at the way that it's worked out for him. That's the that's the message we sort of look at. But I wonder if if that's a bit lazy. I wonder if other you know, there's a more likely message of look at the way that Jesus reaches out to people doubting. Look at the way he responds to people doubting. Or look, there's a way through doubt. Do you see that? Look, there's a way through doubt. Or I wonder if if another meaning is if Thomas can have doubts, if somebody that has think about the character of Thomas, he's he's done three years on the road. That's three years of dropping everything and following this man. That doesn't suggest doubt and goes back to Jerusalem ready to face death. That doesn't suggest doubt. If Thomas can have doubts, then maybe we're all vulnerable. Maybe being human makes you vulnerable to doubt and if you dig around a little bit further you could say looking at Thomas doubts are maybe more likely in certain personality types Thomas you can see is a guy who likes proofs and I would actually go and say I don't think that makes him that separates him out from all the rest of the disciples it maybe it does a little bit and I think we have done that but I think all the rest of the disciples were pretty glad and pretty helped by seeing the resurrected Jesus and I think Lots of us, not not everyone, there are, there are certain types of us who are just happy to go along with stuff. But some of us like something to chew on, you know, some, some proofs. I think doubts can come as well in particular circumstances and seasons of life, can't they? I think Thomas exists in a... Can you imagine being a disciple of Jesus in this moment? Can you imagine being a close follower of Jesus under this you know, under this level of attention, under this level of persecution, they were locked in their houses. They were they were terrified. And Thomas, has reached a point where he's probably just gone. You know, he's gone off on his own, and he's thinking, "Have I, have I wasted three years of my life?" And he's he's probably you know he's scared to death. The, I think I think that's worth thinking about. I think in the, in moments like that, we we can struggle, can't we, in the difficult seasons of life, in difficult circumstances, that you know. We can we question stuff. It's a pretty human thing. And the other thing that Thomas is facing, or trying to figure out, is is the miraculous raising from the dead of Jesus. I think we can appreciate that that's something to get your head around. I don't think the lesson is as simple as doubt. Don't go there. Look how embarrassed you'd be. It's more, I think and particularly relevant for us in times of, of times of the tragedy as of the world around us as we look at the moment and in the days of like this strong atheistic voice that's out there and in post-truth times that in different times, you know, we, we can be faced with our own humanity. I think it's more the message that if Thomas can doubt, then maybe we're all vulnerable to that. But here go, that's not the end of the story for Thomas. There's more to come. We see in this story how God responds to doubt. He doesn't, Jesus doesn't doesn't see Thomas in his doubt and leave him there. Like he'll drift along and it'll be all right. He doesn't just, he 
He doesn't do that. We learn a bit about our God in this moment. He doesn't He doesn't let him away with it. He doesn't leave him to his devices. He doesn't let him to sit in his doubt. He goes after him. But in going after him, he doesn't lord it over him or condemn him. Do you notice in the text, he seeks to reassure and convince him. That's what he tries to do. He, that's his heart. He's not there to, to hammer Thomas, which I think if... <laughs> If any of us were in that position, having been abandoned by the disciples, we'd probably be pretty angry and want to go see, you know, make a make a fool out of him for doubting. But he doesn't do that. He simply wants to reassure and convince him. Jesus says to, to Thomas in in extreme, you know, a guy in extreme fear, a guy, you know, struggling with doubt, you know, scared behind the doors locked. He says to him, peace be with you. Verse 26. He says to a guy who's the kind of character that needs some proofs, he's looking for a sign, he says to him, in love, put your finger here. Verse 27, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. What's Jesus saying? To, to this character in this moment who's struggling with doubt, he doesn't leave him there. He lovingly says, investigate this. Thomas, investigate this. There's this lovely moment in the in the Good Friday story as Jesus is being accused and shouted at, dragged around, beaten up, all of the rest of it. It, say, it says this in John 18:20, uh, and I'm sorry, I've not got the text up on the screen. You'll have to take my word for it. John 18:20, it says, "I have spoken openly to the world. I always taught in the temple, where everyone can see." Where all the Jews come together, I said nothing in secret. Jesus says, whether it's a hater accusing him or or a believer doubting him, he says to them both, investigate this, dig around, study the eyewitness accounts, search, pour over my character, look again at the story of the resurrection. I've got nothing to hide. There's nothing here I'm scared for anybody to see. It's it's an open book. And Jesus says, investigate it. You'll find it doesn't unravel. In fact, it comes together. You'll find you won't go too far with it. In fact, you'll find you can't go far enough. And the third thing. What resurrection achieves um, for people struggling um, with this these doubts i think one of the things we can think about is that doubts doubts are okay uh, when they're in when they're momentary and they're in small things so it's okay if, it's okay for you to doubt if your toaster's going to work you know there's no it's not going to be the end of the world Ugh, you know my toaster's a bit fragile i don't know if it's going to work oh i might not get toast today it's not the end of the world but when doubts Sorry, I just muted myself there. When the doubts are serious and the doubts are about big ultimate things like calling or life partner or vocation or purpose or ultimate hopes or faith. When the doubts are about those things, they can be really destructive. 
As Jesus laid in the tomb, the disciples were hiding behind the doors. Uh, Thomas seems to lose all purpose and meaning. But as he believes, as he takes hold of the truth of the resurrection, he says to Jesus, my Lord and my God, he finds his purpose, his confidence in his ultimate thing is back. His purposes are back. Something of the guy who said, I'll die with you, is back. The East story to us, the resurrection stories, Jesus' story, I think, helps us understand our purpose. It gives us our place in the universe. It gives us capacity to face the future. It gives us outward confidence and it gives us inner security. That's what we get through faith in the resurrection. One final point this Good Friday morning. I want to just leave under your noses. is a really interesting verse, I think. The last verse, verse 29. Um, it's kind of the... Jesus often does this, doesn't he? he gives us gives us the last little line is often something we've really got to think about. Jesus told him, because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have seen and yet not believed. And you sort of, you read that over a couple of times. Jesus told him, because you've seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. And you kind of say to yourself, how can we be more blessed? than to have met Jesus. How can how can our blessing now be even on a par with that, but how can how can it, it be more blessed for us now? How can it be more blessed than to have you know had Thomas's experience where he looked at his wounds or or drank the wine that Jesus made or was on the boat where the fish jumped in that Jesus made and the seas um, calmed in front of him how how can how can we be more blessed than that well, here's my two penneth worth I wonder if it's because God sees the value of faith he sees the value just just really cold he sees the value of faith to our being blessed because we read, we read in his word about Abraham, and it says of Abraham, his faith was credited to him as righteousness. So we, we look at a character like Abraham, and because of the faith he showed, he displayed, and he didn't know, you know, he didn't know the full story, he didn't know the full revelation of what of what God was going to do in Jesus, and yet he achieves this state of righteousness and if god were god's word declares us righteous what a thing to say and abraham has this through faith and jesus goes on to say faith as tiny and as minute as a mustard seed can move mountains he says to us i think in this in this verse 29 which is directed beyond uh, you know beyond the immediate listener and to the wider world and to wider history he says you people of faith of even maybe even simple faith will enjoy 
deep-rooted happiness because you live by faith. This may be simple childlike faith. This trust, this simple trust, this um, leaning into something that we can't, you know, we can't do what Thomas did. We can't put our hands inside the nails, uh, um, inside the, you know, the piercings of Jesus. We can't even see them. We can't have that experience. And yet, the, the way that we can trust him now, the way that we can lean into him now, God looks down and he said, you are truly blessed if you have reached this point in your life. If you can live by faith, you don't know the half of how blessed you are. If you can, if you can go, you know, go through your life, if you can come across difficult times, and if you can lean into faith, you are blessed to do that. Don't, don't overlook the blessings of simple faith. It leaves us with a few challenges, I think. Faith is experiential. Jesus says, taste and see that the Lord is good. If you're somebody who's, who's really looking around at this story, or if, you, you know, if you're a searcher looking into you know, this Easter story, if you've watched this, you're watching something like this for the first time or first time in a while or whatever, there's a sense in which with faith you've got to try it and you've got to investigate it. You've got to dig around. If you're, if you're somebody who's already a Christian, some of the same messages apply. Some of what Jesus said to Thomas applies. He says to us, investigate it. Dig around. It won't unravel. And I think he says beyond that, you can go further. Dig in deep. Don't be scared to have a look. It's not going to disappoint you. It's not going to unravel around you. It's going to pull together, taste and see that the Lord is good. Study his character and be inspired. See his integrity and be convinced. Hear his words and live in them. Take hold of the forgiveness he offers and be able to forgive things that you never thought you'd be able to forgive. See his love on the cross and experience proper humility see his resurrection and live a new life know the spirit that raised him from the dead raises us too and breathe that spirit out Thomas is a great character I hope you have a brilliant rest of the Good Friday um I hope you experience some something of the peace and joy and hope that comes along with faith in a risen Saviour. Happy Easter. Thanks for listening.